Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. What condition conversation was in? Jay talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up. I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to AM 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talked to a man whose name is Bradley J. Improved my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in to see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. WBZ, you are Jay talking. We're live midnight to five. And with us is Michael Coyne. Massachusetts School of Law. We're going to take a look at Michael Cohen and his testimony, Bob Kraft, Kevin Spacey, and more. So let's take a look at the Michael Cohen testimony first. I was riveted. Uh, happily, I couldn't sleep that day. Woke up and checked it out and couldn't get back to sleep. What can he hope to gain from that testimony? I think he, I think he is looking for a little bit of redemption there. Uh, I also think he's probably looking for a, a little bit of payback as well to the boss who has, as he sees it, got him into this position. But he's a grown man, and he made a lot of his own choices along the way. So, um, And I also think he hopes, uh, probably in his mind, that uh, this may uh, reduce some of his sentence uh, down the road, although he's already been sentenced. But there's a, you know, they could make sure that he serves it in a slightly better fashion or that he gets more perks while in there, food and things like that, or visits and the like. Uh, I'm hope I'm sure he's hoping to carry some favor with uh, the, his uh, jailers, so that uh, he's treated a little better than some would be in in while they're incarcerated. How much latitude do prosecutors or does the law have in his living conditions? Can well, they- you know what I remember is uh, the testimony during the uh, Bulger case from Steve Fleming. Uh, he was give- he testified to it on cross examination. Uh, he got stake while he was in there. His uh, privileges with respect to what he could view for TV and the like were significantly better than some. Um, his uh, ability to have exercise and free time outside his jail cell were uh, not dependent, but certainly he did better because he was a cooper- cooperating witness. So I think there's a lot of things that um, his jailers have the ability to make it a more comfortable stay. It's never going to be fully comfortable. But there's a lot of even small things that mean a lot when your uh, liberty has been taken from you. And, you know, I think that's uh, you, you deal for small things at that point. And Fleming talked about it on cross-examination, that there were a lot of things that made his stay more comfortable because he was a cooperating witness on behalf of the federal government um, than if he had not. I noticed that the Republicans did not really challenge Cohen on substance. They only challenged his credibility. And I thought that spoke pretty loudly. Yeah, I think that's it was an interesting tack they took 
because uh, by all accounts, they uh, at least believe they defended the president vigorously. They held the line and they accused Cohen of being all sorts of horrible things that, that he likely is and certainly has been convicted of, uh, of many of them as well. He is a liar. Uh, he is a con man as well. And he is uh, looking to uh, benefit himself here. So a lot of the accusations uh, ring true. The, the problem is, is that, as you point out, none of them really defended the substance of it. Is, is, the, is the president all of the things that he accused them of? And has uh, Michael Cohen done these things at the direction of the president, even while he was president himself, that check for $35,000 uh, was signed by him while he's the president? And that appears likely to show that the president is a willing participant in violating federal election laws. So um, the, you would have expected a more vigorous defense to the substance of it. Who witnessed it? Who else heard the phone call from Roger Stone saying that uh, I can get, uh, the documents from WikiLeaks are going to be there? The, the lack of corroboration for a lot of the stories that he was telling, you would have thought they attacked, but instead they went right to, he's biased, he's not credible, uh, he's got some sort of book deal at work here, and that's what this is all about. And, and I think for those reasons, it was a much weaker defense than it could have otherwise been uh, had they pointed out the flaws with that we I guess we have to take Michael Cohen's word for most of what he testifies to. Um, and the problem with that is he's before Congress saying, I've already lied once significantly uh, when I was before you the last time. I don't see any motivation for him to lie. I see a lot of motivation for him not to lie. If he lied again before yep. Congress, they'd... Lock him up and throw away the key, right? Right. It'd be another. It'd be another series of perjury charges. There was. There would be no advantage to him lying um, before Congress again, uh, because he would face another round of charges. So, so I agree with that completely. Is that the fact is is even if one goes through his testimony and the president pulled one piece out and said, "See, look," he said, "There's no collusion," so he was truthful on that. You know, the fact is is that uh, I think. The, there are portions of it that no doubt are truthful, there, to his knowledge, and there are others, uh, pieces that people want to pick apart and say that means he's a liar. I, I think as a body of work as a whole, when I was watching it and listening to it, I found him to be badly flawed, uh, likely having significant credibility problems, but also, uh, at the end of the day, uh, sufficiently credible to be believable. You know, I, I have a saying that I've used before with other trials. When you try the devil, you go to hell to get the witnesses. And that's likely the case here, is that this isn't the best witness in the world. Um, but uh, at least as the Democrats see it, we are going after a very difficult uh, individual. Um, and therefore, we have to use whatever witnesses we get. Um, and, you know... That's, that is often the case when we look for cooperating witnesses who are part of a criminal enterprise, is that they come with a lot of bad baggage. Didn't you get the sense that he was a changed man, emancipated, a uh, great weight lift off his shoulders by telling the truth? That's, that's how I felt. I think that probably goes a little too far. I don't know whether he's changed. I think he professes to, to be changed, to want to do better. 
I think the next 20 years will show whether that's true or not. I, you know, I always believe that it's hard for a leopard to change their spots. Uh, and I think it is, and I, I buy some of what people are saying, that it's, it's, it is a convenient time for him to, to get religion and decide to do the right thing when he's done a lot of horrible, horrible things uh, for a decade uh, on behalf of his client, if he's to be believed. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I'd like to see more proof of it than just his word for it. But, but at least he says the right things, and I do think he's legitimately shamed uh, certainly for, in front of his children and his, his family because of the things he's done, and, and now especially that he's going to be separated from them and going to jail. As you watched, what was said that raised your eyebrows the most? Uh, what worried me the most, and it's worried me for a while, is the note, and it went, went uh, under the radar screen, is his belief, uh, because it's mine as well, that there may not be a peaceful transition in po- of power uh, should there be an impeachment or even, he said, even if the uh, election is lost. Uh, I, I worry that with impeachment proceedings that that's a real risk. I think uh, it's less likely with a uh, change at the ballot box, and I think that's likely and appropriately where this will end because I think there's a, a third of the population on either side that are pro-Trump and anti-Trump that no matter what the Mueller report says— uh, already have their minds made up. So it's a relatively small group of people who will be um, affected or their minds changed because of the information that's that's in the report. I want to get into a talk of witness tampering. We had a Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates, who tweeted a missive at Cohen, Dear wife and father-in-law, know about your girlfriends. Maybe tonight would be a good time for a chat. I wonder if she'll remain faithful when you're in prison. She's about to learn a lot. Is that, in fact, witness tampering? I think it is, actually. I think he is attempting to threaten and influence the witness before Congress uh, and to impede their testimony uh, that he has agreed to give. And uh, I think uh, Chairman Pelosi should have and may still yet treated harshly. I think she was, uh, he was informed that uh, it was inappropriate. It violated the rules as Congress saw it. Ultimately, at first, he was not willing to do anything about it, said it's not witness tampering, it's witness testing. Uh, he believed he was in the right, even though the, the language is terribly um, uh, distasteful as well. I mean, let's assume that somehow he could escape criminal charges. Since why all of a sudden are, are we feel free simply because we're in this partisan era of politics to talk in such a crude fashion about someone's wife being yeah, faithful I while mean, you're in prison and, and, and all the rest? I mean, it, it would seem to be, at the minimum, things that he should have been taught as a young man or as a young boy. Um, we just don't do things like this. And that's, that's what yeah. I think is continuously disappointing about all of this is the level of public discourse that we have at this point um, simply because of the identity of our politics. And that's too bad because um, we'll never be able to talk to each other if this, is, if this type of talk is acceptable. So this wasn't just about uh, Cohen talking about the president. This was a, a, a Cohen saying names of folks who could in the future be called to testify. Well, and that's the other thing that, see, some some of the legislatures use their time to 
question and extract information in general about the president. Uh, others used it to grandstand and take their five minutes so that they could uh, perhaps make a clip on the evening news or solidify their base at home, while others uh, actually use the questions to try and see if there's other information and other sources of information and other people uh, that they should call to talk before Congress to to look at the extent of whatever criminal activity the the president might be, might have been engaged in either during the election or, or still. Um, and that's what's interesting about it now is that we're seeing that with this list of names and with the list of sources of information that more subpoenas are going out, more people will be called to testify before Congress. And the the uh, as some would see it, the Inquisition goes on. Uh, again, uh, I would like to see the re- the Mueller report to to really to start to move this forward. I'm not so sure it's um, good for all of us to be able to go further down this road with these public show hearings and and the rest of it uh, if uh, the report itself isn't going to show that there's any criminal activity. And I think, like others have said, I think if they intend to call uh, family members of the president before Congress, I think that's a very bad thing. And I don't think I think it'll be great theater for for talk show hosts (laughs) and uh, for those that are so inclined. And and I was I was spellbound by Cohen's testimony. I had it on in my office all day and I watched it. uh, And of course, I was fascinated by all of it. And uh, it was great theater. I, I just don't think it's it's healthy for us, and especially I think it it puts us in a bad light around the world when you look at and hear some of the things that um, those that should be our leaders may well have been engaged in, even if it's not criminal activity. Back to credibility. When he was questioned on whether or not he would promise not to do a book deal or to donate proceeds of a book deal to charity, he said, no, straight yeah. up. I don't. I, I thought. I thought. You know, that's it makes him sound believable. Well, I, and I don't blame him. Uh, he's going to have legal bills. He's going to have legal bills. He's going to have a mortgage. He's going to have children's tuitions to pay for. He's going to have his own bills to pay for. The fact is, he's now been stripped of his law license. He's going away for four years. He's going. He and his family will need some source of revenue. And if, in fact, there is revenue to be generated as a result of a book or a movie deal, and probably both are possibilities under the circumstances, uh, I find it highly credible when he says, no, I'm not going to reject that right now. And, and again, his first loyalty should be to his family and, and as he sees it, his country and his family now. Um, but but I, I, think, I think there is some honor to recognize that my family has to come first under the circumstances. I have to provide for them. Would you buy the book? Um, I would. I don't, well, what, what, what else would you think you would have at this point? I mean, yes, I might buy it. I would like to know more details, but I think if there was more, so, certainly of the, the, the caliber that we really would be captivated by, I think we would have heard it other than the Southern District of New York stuff that he said he couldn't talk about yet. I'd like to hear about what was in his, going through his mind when the president asked him to do this or that or this or that. See, he, had to be, he had to be worried. He was taping people. You know, he, see, I'm not, he knew he was on thin ice, I think. See, I'm not sure he did. 
I think he was captivated by the fame of representing someone as super important as Donald Trump, even well before any candidacy for president started. You know, he was he was a young younger lawyer, and uh, the fact is, is a lawyer with his pedigree. Uh, and uh, with his prior work history, wouldn't have been representing someone of that stature um, in two lifetimes. And so I think he was captivated by the fame of it all, uh, by the the um, type of uh, travel that he was engaged in, representing someone so powerful. I think he just bought into it lock, lock stock. Maybe and- I give him too much credit for being multidimensional. Maybe he's just... What he appears to He's be. He's a sycophant, okay. right? I mean, isn't that, that you know, so. what does the boss want? That whatever the boss wants, that's what I'm going to do. I I would be surprised if he was, he, there's deep thoughts there. I w- I'd like to know more of the details about some of the, the things he was doing on behalf of Trump and the Trump organization. But I'm not sure you're going to get lots of deep thoughts there. So were the Republicans trying to trap him in or set him up for additional perjury? And how did he do in Fending those off. Um, I don't. Uh, no, I don't think they. I don't think they were. Except they. I think they were simply trying to discredit him and make him look uh, totally biased. So they obviously, though, they believe that there are at least a half a dozen times where he did perjure himself. That's what they've said is that they believe he's lied at, at various times during that testimony. I think they were hell bent on establishing that he cannot be believed under any circumstances. And part of it is because of the financial gain of a book or movie deal. And the other part is, is that he's just lied too often. Um, but, but to me, that, that, that spins 180 degrees because the person he's lied for most often and at the direction of right. is the person that they were trying to defend. And he could do a book deal even if he hadn't testified. Correct? Yes, yes, he could. Yeah, so, there's no, nothing that would right. prevent him. Uh, you know, sometimes when someone is sentenced, there's forfeiture provisions, and some states have laws that prevent someone from uh, profiting as a result of their crimes, but none of that has been mentioned here. Could that have been part of his deal? Uh, to not profit to not as a get, result? To not get that uh clause in his sentencing that you cannot he could have but i don't think he really tried to make a deal uh, that many people do because he pled guilty and there the sentencing was not an agreed upon sentence so that it was uh you know i'm going to plead guilty and you can argue to the court for your sentence and i'll argue for mine in in some ways uh that that is admirable that he didn't try like some to cut a deal okay. that like Flynn for the least possible sentence um what he did is he at least legally took responsibility for his actions and allowed the court to impose the sentence what do you suppose is percolating in the southern district of new york and we have, that's a short answer it's a 15 second answer if you got it i think it's likely mortgage and bank fraud one congressperson said this is a story of redemption. She said it very briefly at the end of her uh, questions. You don't see it that way. You don't I see don't see it redeemed, that way yet. I don't see it that way yet. I kind of yet. felt it was. I felt he, he seemed much lighter and just so – he answered the questions so easily because they were true. He didn't have to think about it. Did you notice that? It was like yeah, bang. I, I agree with that he wasn't uh, – that he he prof- he seemed he, – he said the right things. He professed to to have seen the light. But I think you earn redemption. I don't think you get it simply by saying, you know, I've seen the light. I'm going to turn the cheek. 
I, I think it's acquired over time. And so I, we'll, I'd we'll like s- to see the I'd like to see the body of good work to offset these ten years of bad work. So ten years down the line, I ask you that question again. <laughs> right? <laughs> when we'll both be a lot older. <laughs> All right. Let's just assume that nothing impeachable pops up, and even if it does, that it's maybe bad for the country to move forward with that. If that's the case, there's really a lot at stake in the next election for the president, because as long as he's president, people aren't going to mess with him. But as soon as he's uh, a civilian, then he's could be subject to going to jail. Right. The Department of Justice has a policy that as the sitting president cannot be indicted. Uh, legal scholars uh, have some doubt about the whether that's accurate or not under the Constitution. Uh, but I think there's enough uh, people that do agree, lawyers that agree, that that likely is the status of it. That doesn't mean he can't be impeached if he has committed these these criminal acts. He can be if he's uh, committed high crimes and misdemeanors. Um, but the problem is, is that uh, he can't be indicted, but he can be impeached. But the, again, that process is is a, a long involved process as well. But uh, as long as he is the president, then he's likely to forestall any of that. I do think that there uh, it comes to a head uh, if uh, his daughter, his son, or his son-in-law uh, face criminal charges. And I think that uh, the, there is a strong likelihood that uh, at least uh, two of those three, the son and son-in-law, may well face criminal charges before this is done. Wow. We're with Michael Coin, Mass School of Law, comes in once a month. We catch up on the legal details of what has transpired. One thing that did transpire was an unfortunate incident or two with uh, Patriots boss Robert Kraft. Can you outline what happened, Michael? Sure. Uh, Bob Kraft was arrested down, well, he was arrested at this point. Uh, I should say that they issued a warrant for him. He surrendered, uh, or at least his lawyer filed an appearance on the warrant for him on two solicitation of a prostitute charge down in Jupiter, Florida. Um, and so now uh, he has pled not guilty. Uh, the, he is represented by uh, lawyers, and uh, the case will play out. What it's alleged that he did is he went to a uh, strip mall um, uh, massage parlor and uh, paid for not just a massage. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But for sexual favors as well, it has been captured on videotape, and the police uh, had were able to identify him because they pulled his Bentley over uh, during one of the uh, uh, times he was exiting the uh, massage parlor. And now he's been charged, along with uh, a, a total of about 300 other men uh, in this type of sting operation. And some, you know, I haven't seen the charges that have been uh, yet filed, but there's some allegation that there was human trafficking involved as well because women were brought over from China uh, to undertake this activity and were held captive. 
But none of the charges to date uh, charge anyone with human trafficking. There are some uh, RICO charges for violating the law and the like and deriving in, uh, income from a prostitute. But at this point, uh, there has been no human trafficking charge. Most of the charges are for solicitation of a prostitute, and that's what Mr. Kraft faces. And that's the question is, will he take it to trial? Uh, will the videotape be released? Why is he pleading not guilty? Uh, what do you think is likely to take place? And the, the problem is there's been a lot of, I think, misinformation about the process and how uh, the how strong or how weak the government's case is in this in this circumstance, and and it really starts with the videotape. If they have videotape evidence of him providing money for sexual favors, then obviously it's a difficult case from the standpoint of defending. But even more importantly, it's a it's a case that you don't want if it's at all possible for that videotape to see the light of day. Um, but that's going to be problematic as well. But the, the, from the standpoint of trying to keep that under wraps, that's, I think, one of the major questions is, is there a way so that the public doesn't get uh, an opportunity to see that videotape? Because obviously TMZ and every other media outlet will want to be running that and uh, they'll mock the Patriots and the Patriots brand and it would do it serious uh, financial damage, but also I think uh, damage to Mr. Kraft personally that he'd like to avoid, uh, that if he brings it to trial, there is no doubt that that videotape would then be in the public domain. And pleading not guilty, and unless there's a deal down the road, means there would be a trial. Yeah, pleading not guilty at this stage only means is that he's keeping his options open. Uh, the Florida, like many other states, Massachusetts has it, Connecticut has it, Oftentimes, for first offenders, they're eligible for a diversion program. It's a pretrial diversion program. And so if you have an unblemished record and if the charges are what the law considers relatively minor, then you would participate in this pretrial diversion program, likely an educational program, likely a, a relatively modest fine. And at the end of that process, if you've successfully done those things, then what happens is that the case is dismissed and ultimately the charges are expunged. He wouldn't be getting any favorable treatment because he's Mr. Kraft. What he's getting favorable treatment for is because he's a first offender. And so I would think that he's pled not guilty, not necessarily to take it to trial, but likely to be eligible and, and ultimately participate in this pretrial diversion program. Those two counts would count as one offense? Uh, no, they're two separate offenses. So the second one would not be a first offense. Well, that's very good, actually. So he would need, as part of this deal, to have one of those charges dismissed so that he could then be eligible and participate in the first offenders program. And that's what, again, that wouldn't be uncommon at either. Uh, either. Sometimes it's a marijuana or an alcohol offense when the people are younger. Uh, I've done it a lot of times on behalf of uh, teenagers, high school kids who are in trouble, or even college kids uh, who have made mistakes. It's Here we just have a 77-year-old person who has made a mistake and is a first offender. So I could see that that's, the, that's what they ultimately want to do, because if that happens, then you don't have to worry about the videotape being displayed at trial. 
but you still have to worry about the videotape being released because Florida has very expansive sunshine laws, meaning the public has a right to know. It's equivalent to the Freedom of Information Act. And Florida takes that that uh, right very seriously. So it, even without a trial, that information may ultimately be uh, in the public view. Does any time have to pass before they would apply to get that tape? People, people have already applied to get it. I see. Florida has a couple exceptions about making that available. If the investigation is still ongoing, then that tape doesn't have to be released, and that's what they could argue, at least initially. There's a number of people, not uh, Mr. Kraft, but a number of the uh, individuals who have uh, been stung in that sting operation have, in fact, sued and argue that the Fourth Amendment protects them and they shouldn't uh, be allowed to uh, ha- release the videotape. I don't think that that's likely to be successful. We, it's embarrassing. It's, uh, it's difficult uh, to have to view. But the fact is, is that the videotape was done it, at the massage parlor, likely either with one of the owner's consent or a warrant, it's not their home where uh, the videotape was, was made. I don't think they have a strong case there unless, unless it was done in violation of the Constitution. But I, I would think that, that they were smart enough to do, do it either with permission or with a warrant. There's also been a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding about um, after he left the uh, massage parlor one of the times— he was then pulled over while he was on the highway or one of the roads leading out of there. And um, some people have argued or tried to argue that, well, that shows police misconduct. It was a pretextual stop. And therefore, What's a pretextual stop? Pretextual stop means they are really intending to stop you for something else, but they find a reason or they make up a reason to stop you anyway. Uh, for instance, oh, you're speeding, or you failed to stay within the lanes, or one of your lights is out. But, but you know, the fact is, is that more often than not, we are committing some violation as we drive, and the police officers can stop you if they observe you violating a traffic law. And so, e- but, 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 but the point is, even if they had no reason to stop that vehicle, and people have argued, let's say they do not, then everything else is, um, you have to throw out all the other evidence uh, because the stop was improper. And but they, didn't they observe him leaving <laughs> the scene of many crimes? Yeah, I- exactly. And that's that's the problem with this logic about the, the bad traffic stop. First of all, they already had evidence of him committing a violation of the criminal code because they showed him, or at least they believe, the tape shows him uh, pr- providing uh, money to the prostitute in return for sex. B, um, they, the stop then asks him for his ID. He voluntarily produces it, so you've got an argument. It's a consent-based. And, and C, the most important thing is, the crime has already been committed at that point. They have the evidence of it. Now they're just trying to verify who it was that committed the crime. To me, that raises the issue of what we call inevitable discovery. Frankly, I would bet that before they even pulled him over, they knew that that Bentley belonged to Robert Kraft. Florida has as many football, t- professional football teams as California. 
Mr. Kraft is very identifiable. I'm not even sure they need it. Many people would need an ID to know that that's Robert Kraft, even in Florida. And the fact is, is that they inevitably would have discovered that the person on that videotape, once they showed it at the station, someone would have said, hey, that's the Patriots owner, Bob Kraft. I just saw him in the Super Bowl. The fact is, is that the stop is really meaningless under the circumstances. And people have thought that because the stop might be bad, everything else goes with it. And it's completely wrong. Uh, to me, it's an inevitable discovery. They would have figured out Bob Kraft was the person in the videotape. They didn't really need to pull over the car. I think that was probably what they were doing as a general matter is catching the people as they left. But that's because most of them are not as recognizable as Robert Kraft. And so the stop really is is meaningless at the end of the day. So back to the two offenses. Yep. The second offense, one of the offenses would have to be dropped in order for it to be a first offense and give, uh, well, an excuse to drop, to, to treat it lightly. Yes. But Mr. Kraft doesn't really have any leverage to get, to induce them to do that, correct? He doesn't really have anything to offer to get them to drop that uh, the charges of one. They could do it if they wanted to be nice. It's not just nice. It's to try and treat him consistently as you would any other defendant. Mm -hmm. and, and the fact is, is that if we look at these charges, and I know we look at it now in this Me Too era a little differently, and especially when we consider the, the potential human trafficking angle, but the fact is, historically, these types of offenses, the John has uh, almost never gets arrested. Only recently have we started to do more of the shaming of the John with because what we realize is the that the likelihood is they will stop if in fact you shame them in this fashion and so therefore it's a much better deterrent than just simply arresting the prostitute with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details and so what we've done here is more recently now we've ramped up the um, charges against the the uh, person who is procuring the sex and uh, that would mean that if you want to treat Mr. Kraft as we have historically if you reduce it to one offense uh, and the same for others that would have been arrested in this if even if they went on back-to-back -back nights like like took place here um, that would be consistent with the manner in which historically these cases have been uh, treated. Uh, maybe that has to change as well, that we have to treat them as more serious offenses. Um, but it's not, it's not appropriate to treat him differently simply because um, he does have money and he does have um, a, a had a good reputation prior to this time. About the... Sex trafficking. You supplied me with an article from the Boston Globe by a Swanee Hunt, yep. who's a lecturer of public policy at Harvard Kennedy School of Government. Oh, the one that says, I'm in monsters? Yeah. That one, yep. So it says, it's no coincidence, the sheriff who announced the charges in Florida said he would not be charging women brought from China, 
each forced to have sex with about 1,000 men per year. Right. Just to That's make what, folks understand what goes on. Well, yes and, and no. Because let me just say this. The uh, press conference by Florida law enforcement was strong. There were a lot of significant things said. Uh, I think over the last week or so, we've started to question some of what was said at that point. I, I'm, uh, there were a number of the people who were engaged with these services at the massage parlors who were, in fact, arrested, which would indicate they don't see them as victims because you don't arrest victims. Uh, looking at the charges on the list of charges, there's no one that's been charged with human trafficking. And I, and I don't think yet anyone um, has been referred to immigration because they were Chinese nationals and the like. So I, I think... Like a lot of other things, we have to take a step back and take a take a hard look at what whether the facts uh, are consistent with the rhetoric. Okay, we will wrap up quickly addressing Manafort, Flynn, and the teen who uh, sued the Post for defamation over the confrontation with a Native American. So we'll start with Manafort. They don't have to take long. <laughs> no, uh, he will be sent. He's got two court hearings coming where he will be sentenced. Uh, one of which uh, is this week and one of which is the following week. Uh, he will be sentenced in both Virginia and the District of Columbia for uh, crimes that one of which he was, uh, one group he was committed, uh, convicted of, and another group he pled guilty to, and he made arrangements with the government um, for uh, those crimes. He faces really the prospect and the likelihood, I think, of spending the rest of his life in prison as a result of these two cases. Um, before Judge Berman, he faces a, Berman Jackson, he faces a, a maximum of a 10-year sentence under the uh, agreement that, that they entered into. In Virginia, he's looking at potentially 20 more years. Um, the fact is, between the two uh, cases, he will likely... Uh, spend the rest of his life in jail because by all accounts he's not he hasn't his physical condition has weakened over the time he's not a young man to begin with um, and prison uh, as it is for many people has treated him very harshly already so uh, the likelihood is is that any uh, significant sentence and I think he is looking at a significant sentence here because especially in view of the uh, memo the prosecution has filed saying he has lived a, a lawless life and continued to live a lawless life even while these cases were pending. Even after he pled and agreed to cooperate, he continued to violate the terms of that agreement. I think he's looking at the court treating him very harshly because what, of What's his, wrong with that guy? I just, what do you see as a human being looking at this person? Privilege, right? Entitlement. I mean, we've, we've seen it in other cases. It's just kind of astonishing that you don't get it at this point. That Those days are over. You're in deep, deep trouble. Uh, it's best to uh, come clean and try to, try to uh, say, save what you can of the situation. It may be, as some have suggested, part of the reason that he lied after the cooperation agreement was entered into was in order to curry favor so that he could obtain a pardon from the administration. And that may still happen. Um, but the fact is, is that even if he is pardoned on these federal charges, uh, as the president is entitled to do, 
he will likely then face very similar charges in the Southern District of New York, uh, which will be non-pardonable. So if, in fact, the president chooses to pardon Manafort, and that's a real possibility here, he, uh, by all accounts, has been pretty loyal to the president, uh, that, and he is the big link between the president and uh, the Russians by all of the facts that we've seen with respect to Manafort's activity and the money um, and his ties to to uh, Russia, um, that, that he could provide that link. The likelihood is um, that he will get a significant sentence. Then the question is, does Trump feel politically that he can pardon him and survive? And it's an interesting dynamic that's going to play out relatively I would say since the president feels he could shoot someone or get away with it, and he's probably right, that he could certainly pardon Manafort, and his supporters certainly wouldn't care about that. I I think that's right, and I wonder, though, if that was the plan to pardon him, is why he didn't pardon him before. Why did he make him serve, what, at least over a year now in jail? I don't know. Um, But maybe just to forestall it a little longer? I, I don't know. Maybe to see if there was any other options and the like it's just if that's the game plan i don't know why it wouldn't have been executed earlier and spare mm-hmm. him some of the the hard time that he's done it's it's by all accounts it's affected him very badly physically how about flynn uh flynn uh is going to be a cooperating witness uh, is a cooperating witness in a number of the trials that that have yet to be uh revealed to all of us with respect to the the indictments, what Flynn is looking at, and because of his level of cooperation, um, the they have recommended to the court that he not serve any prison time. If you remember, we discussed this uh, a couple of months ago. The judge had accused the judge when Flynn was scheduled to be sentenced. The judge thought that he was uh, why wasn't he charged with treason? This sounds like he was a traitor to our country. And it didn't sound like the court would follow the recommendation for no prison time. And so what the court suggested to Flynn and his counsel was perhaps you want to uh, continue this hearing and continue to cooperate with the, the government uh, in, in, to prove, in essence, that you deserve no jail time. And that, by all accounts, that's what's been done over the last few months. And he is now seen as a significant witness for the government in, in these cases, which likely— uh, will save him uh, incarceration. It, it's unusual that the uh, court would not follow the government's recommendation of of no prison sentence. All right, we have like three minutes for the teen suing Washington Post. Yeah, if you remember, this is the confrontation between um, the young men from Ken- the Kentucky Catholic School uh, wearing their MAGA hats and the Native Americans and others. There was another group there as well uh, in D.C. And what happened is the Post reported it, uh, and they, on the basis of some of the video they saw, uh, they said that the students uh, were the uh, driving force behind the confrontation. And uh, the students then from the Covington Catholic School were treated uh, online and, and elsewhere uh, very, very harshly uh, and judged to, to be the cause of the, the problems that took place that day. 
when all other videos were shown, there was uh, significant concern that that was uh, improper, that there was, uh, as I would see it, there was some blame on both sides uh, for the, 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 the ugly picture of where we stood at that point. And so what's happened now is Nick Sandman, who was the student, uh, has sued the Washington Post for $250 million uh, for defamation, saying that they had put him in a false light, that they published false things about him, and that uh, he's been seriously damaged as a result of it. He's been bullied online and threatened. And How much? $250 million? $250 million. Isn't that insane? Yeah, it is insane. And Wasn't that the case where it was $25 million for actual damages and then 200 50 million was punitive? Yes, this is they're seeking a significant punitive damage yeah. award uh, and arguing that that's appropriate. Um, president said, go get him. Michael Coyne, thank you. Spectacular session here. Loved it. Massachusetts School of Law president, dean, and professor of law, and all around good guy, <laughs> Michael Coyne. There you go. There's another episode of the Jay Talking Podcast. Follow me on Twitter for show updates. If you loved what you heard, like and review the show. It helps others find us. And as always, you can catch the show live. Jay Talking Live every weeknight starting Sunday, midnight to 5 on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.